Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We'll be right back with today's guest, but we want to give a shout out to our podcast partners, the Global Community of Women in High School Sports and We Coach. These are two great organizations that you really need to be a part of. That's the Global Community of Women in High School Sports and We Coach. Now, let's have a quick word from our podcast sponsors. We want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing for their support. Hometown Ticketing is the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. Go to hometownticketing.com. They're going to show you how to set up and sell your tickets online. They'll show you how to scan the attendees that come to your games and collect your revenue. And every step of the way, you're going to have a dedicated client success manager that's providing hands-on support. That's hands-on support every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com. They'll also show you how to set up and sell tickets for things like school dances, school plays, concerts, even graduation. That's hometownticketing.com. Simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to say thanks to Snap Mobile for their support. At Snap Mobile, they know that you need a hand sometimes, and they are there all the way to help you develop a program that's going to be something you're proud of. Go to onsnap.com and check out their platform that helps ADs build thriving programs. Uh, There's a lot of different uh, aspects to the platform. You've got SnapRaise, which is their fundraising app. We've used it at my school, and it's just fantastic. SnapSpend is a money management platform for clubs. SnapStore can help you provide uh, great team gear and fan gear for uh, every member of your community. Um, They also have Snap Manage, which helps you manage your entire athletic program. And uh, Snap Connect, okay, that's their multilingual family engagement communication platform that allows you to support every family member. Um, They are here for you. For more information, go to onsnap.com or contact your Snap Mobile representative to get the support that you need. That's onsnap.com. We also want to say thanks to Huddle. Go to Huddle.com. Huddle is how the world sees sports. Over 200,000 teams use Huddle to help their athletes and their teams play better. As a high school coach, I used uh, Huddle um, for years. And as an athletic director, our school is a Huddle school. And our coaches just love the mobile apps, uh, the smart cameras. Of course, they love the analytics, but there's so much more. Huddle set up to help any program from club and youth teams all the way through high schools and colleges. And they've got the tools to help your athletes improve. Go to huddle.com and you're going to find a complete solution at a professional grade. That's huddle.com. We believe in sports and teams believe in huddle. Join the 6 million users and turn your school into a huddle school. That's huddle.com. We also want to say thanks to Gipper. Go to Gipper.com and see how athletic directors are creating world-class marketing content for their school's social media channels. You can do it in seconds on any device, and you don't need any design experience. It's so easy. Even I can do it. Go to Gipper.com. Tell them you heard about it on the podcast and use the podcast code ADPOD10. That's ADPOD10 and get 10% off. Start creating custom-branded content for your school's social media channels on Gipper.com. 
We also want to say thanks to Final Forms, the industry leader in forms and registration. But Final Forms is more than that. Final Forms can help your stakeholders with things like mobile accessibility. And they've got reminders for parents about policies, about physicals, and all the forms that come when you have an athlete in the house. Final Forms can also help your coaches with things like attendance and communication. And for athletic directors, Final Forms can help you with uh, reports uh, and everything that comes across your desk, including eligibility, rosters, even scheduling. To take the next steps, go to finalforms.com slash Jake. That's finalforms.com slash Jake. It's time that you talk to a team that's walked in your shoes. Go to Final Forms to get started. We also want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. At my schools, we use surveys for just about everything, for teachers, for coaches, for kids, and for parents. And the information that came back from our parents was almost always over-the-top positive, but the surveys also allowed that squeaky wheel parent to vent a little bit. And sometimes they'd share a small issue that you could address and keep it from turning into a big issue because you didn't know about it because you hadn't done a survey. If you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your student athletes or your parents, you're really missing out. Go to athleticsurveys.com or email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. We also want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive for their support. Sideline Interactive's indoor scoring tables and video boards not only generate income for your department, but they also create the ultimate game day experience for your student-athletes. We've got a Sideline Interactive indoor scoring table in our gym, and it's just fantastic. Of course, we use it for games, but we also use it for pep rallies, for signing ceremonies. It's tremendously versatile, and the customer service is just fantastic. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and schedule a live web demo and see their tables and boards in action. You can also email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com and see exactly what their fantastic products can do for you. That's sidelineinteractive.com. We also want to say thanks to Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. You know, they're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school's record boards for all your sports, for all the events, or a great way to display your Hall of Fame, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Their interactive touchscreen consoles and their library of templates can help you recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. Let them help you showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments and go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Or you can email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. That's vitalsignswalloffame.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We've got a really cool guest today. I know I say that almost every week, but uh, it's really true this time. Uh, we're going to be visiting with Candice Fabry. She is the CEO of an uh, organization called Fearless and Capable out of Kansas City, Missouri. We're going to hear more about that. 
She's got a tremendous background in athletics as a player. She's also, uh, in addition to being a CEO, she is the associate head coach for the Kansas City Courage of the United Women's Soccer League. And, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that as well. But Candace, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to be on with you today. Well, um, you know, we connected on LinkedIn. Uh, I, I saw a post about your organization. And uh, again, want to give a shout out to two of our uh, podcast partners, uh, We Coach, mm -hmm. as well as uh, the Global Community of Women in High School Sports, two great organizations that, you know, listeners, you've heard me say this before, you should be a part of. And uh, just as I was reading about uh, Candace's uh, organization, Fearless and Capable, I just said, we got to get this person on the podcast. So <laughs> thanks so much for joining we always like to let our listeners uh, have a chance to get to know our guests. So give us that bio, uh, you know, what's the Candace Fabry story in about four <laughs> minutes. Uh, yeah. You'll maybe take us up through those college years, post-college years, and then we'll talk obviously about your career, but uh, yeah. you know, what's your story? Yeah. Uh, I was born in the Chicago or excuse me, I was born in Kentucky, quickly moved up to the Chicagoland area. So my Southern roots are really, um, not that deep right now. It's actually more Chicago-based uh, kid that grew up in the suburbs playing soccer. I did dance as well, but soccer was always number one, uh, typically playing sports. I was a fairly smart kid, got good grades, you know, really wasn't a troublemaker, partially because I was at soccer 99% of the time and, you know, had two very supportive parents who had athletic backgrounds, but my mom is also, uh, you know, in the mental health field. So it was, it's good to have some of that sometimes, maybe not as your mom all the time, but certainly um, a benefit in the long term. And then I had, you know, two younger sisters, a really good family dynamic and, you know, was very supportive. I'm sure my sisters hated go to, going to all my soccer games, but uh, you know, I did their, their sports. They came to mind. That was kind of the deal. And, and was fortunate enough to get then an opportunity to play at the University of Toledo, which playing Division One when had been one of my goals for you know a very long time. And so that it really lined up in a lot of ways, um, the size of the university, the programming academically, and then athletically, you know, I I knew I had a chance to play coming in. And so was very fortunate to play every minute of my freshman season as a defender. Uh, but by the end of the season, I could barely walk. I was in so much pain uh, in my back. And so sure enough, do the, do the tests and x-rays and MRIs and bone scans and come to find out I have fracture, uh, stress fracture in my L4, I believe it was. And so oh. at that point in time, things were kind of, you know, <laughs> playing was looking shorter than longer in terms of how much longer I was really going to have just based off the amount of pain I was in. And so I had been coaching a little bit. I had been doing, you know, helps with little camps and so on. Since I was 13, 14, I'd done, you know, flyers in the neighbor's mailboxes to do individual lessons. And so, you know, I had been in that love and enjoyed it. And so having to step off the field as, you know, a player and kind of coming to that sideline, coaching started to take over as something I, I knew I was interested in. And so I graduated, uh, but I, I was quickly into coaching and had started to take through the U.S. soccer coaching licenses and, you know, have been fortunate to be able to work within the youth game 
you know, now I'm in the college game. I'm actually a head coach for the Ottawa University women's program outside of Kansas City. So um, add that to the soccer resume as well as working with the KC Courage and a professional amateur. So, you know, it was something that's always been there. Um, but obviously understanding that the game is beautiful, but not just because of what happens between the white lines. It's a lot of work done outside of those white lines to provide an environment that the players and the staff can, you know, feel excited to be a part of because we all love the game. And so how can we make it a little bit better? So that's really the mission behind everything I'm doing these days. I'm also a mom. I'm a mom of two kids. I have a son and a daughter, a middle schooler and elementary. Um, so I don't know if I've hit the hard years yet. I think all of them have unique <laughs> hardships and excitement. But um, yeah, so those those identities of coach and owner and CEO and, you know, um, just everything and mom, it, it takes a lot. And it's, it's great. I have a great supportive husband who who's good with me doing what, what women do and, you know, getting, getting out there and, um, you know, just being myself. So that was great. Well, I really appreciate you sharing all those, uh, roles, uh, again, having, uh, just small flashbacks to, uh, you know, our own, uh, uh, mom and dad moments. My wife's a career coach, title line pioneer. And, you know, we had three kids, uh, they were all in sports. Uh, they're all in their, 30s now but uh <laughs> yeah. they're still your kids and uh you know uh, again so uh, you can look forward to those uh those middle school yeah. and high school years uh i and, hope so i hope so <laughs> uh, you, have, no. you have no choice yeah. i don't yeah let's uh let's talk a little bit about um uh, coaching uh at, at the collegiate level and also you know the, the professional uh level most of our listeners uh, our high school ADs, high school coaches, we're starting to, you know, grow into that college realm. Uh, I coached college myself. Actually, I was back in uh, uh, Marshall, Missouri this past weekend at their okay. uh, uh, Missouri Valley's Hall of Fame induction. Uh, okay. One of our uh, former players was being inducted. So I'm I'm familiar awesome. with the, the KCAC. Uh, yeah, for sure. How, how is that? Um you know, how, how is it coaching collegiately? How is it different? How is it the same? And, and professionally, you know, working yeah. with women, uh, you know, pro athletes, um, not mm -hmm. women athletes, but working with athletes at the professional level, uh, yeah. any differences, any similarities you can share? Yeah, I think, you know, all of it, one stems from what their experiences are like before they get to me. You can see, at least from the interactions that will happen on the field to the interactions off the field, uh, where there's been some really great support systems and habits instilled and where there's not been as much. And so as a coach, you know, really understanding that you're going to have to lead each player as well as leading the team and finding ways to, you know, incorporate what you're doing on a daily basis to, I, you know, ideally, you know, impact, engage, support the individual so that the team collective is better in terms of the performance. And so, you know, from my side, I've also coached high school. I, I still work in the youth game. And, and so I know what I want the women that I work with um, at that age to feel, which is self-confidence, maybe not in every capacity, but self-confidence and more self-worth, um, that they are worthy of love and support and have, you know, a voice and an arm powered and not to use the, the cliche words that we all have, but, you know, I'm a coach that really, really supports the opportunity to fail and try again, to fail and try again. And so I think, you know, some of the things I see that are differences between 
the collegiate players and then the semi-professional players is that, you know, the semi-professional players seem to grasp onto that capability to fail and go again. They are more confident to try a new way to solve. They are, you know, more confident to come up and have a discussion with teammates. They find respectful ways to have dialogue that's not all about disagreeing. It's okay to have conflict. And they just, they tend to manage that space a little bit better. I think collegiately, you know, when I'm recruiting, you know, potential student athletes into our program, you know, I really am trying to to set up the fact that you're going to come in and I'm going to ask you to solve problems. Um, I don't need to be the, you know, the vision you're always looking over to the sideline to say where you're going next because I want you to feel confident in the fact that if you don't get it right that time or don't have it executed at the best time that I have confidence that you can do it again and then the other part of that I think is you know when I look at then my role as a coach in terms of information I give I I wholeheartedly believe if I'm going to give any sort of critique, criticism, and feedback, anything that's coming from me needs to be teamed up with a resource. So if I'm going to ask you to improve a certain part of your game, I have a responsibility to add activities. I have a responsibility to show you resources, whether it's a book, a video, somebody to go follow, somebody to go talk to. Um, And so I take that responsibility really, really, um, you know, to heart. And I think, again, you know, those those levels of maturity within the semi-professional, they're coming to me. Uh, they're, they're not waiting for me to come to them. They are certainly going to self-advocate. Um, and that's what I've, I've really instilled with the collegiate athletes. I really want them to find that, that voice now, you know, just coming in and saying you don't like something. I always go, well, why? Tell me why. Give me those things behind it because I do want them to be able to articulate. Um, you can feel things. You can, you know, be passionate about stuff. But what are the whys? What are the solutions? What are the opportunities? And so, giving them those chances to come to it. And, you know, I always go, this is no way me saying I'm going to take your idea, do what you're asking for. But I'm happy to have the conversation because I think that's an important life skill that I think I've learned later in life than I learned earlier. I said yes, yes sir, yes ma'am, very, very um, often as a kid, and that's certainly something that I, I hope to instill in our student athletes that you can't do that, but, and there's a moment for it, but there are moments that you can self certainly self-advocate. And I'd actually rather you come to me and say, Hey, this is something I want to get better at. You know, do you have a way to do that or somebody, you know, rather than, you know, but that those are the main differences I think between what I see is really that, that self-empowerment to go. Right. And again, it's hopefully it's part of that maturation process that, you know, we all go through, uh, hopefully, uh, as we go high school, college and and let's say adult. I love you. You mentioned, you know, that it's okay, you know, to fail and and fail again. And as coaches, we we know that that's how you get better. If if practice is or if anything is just easy uh, and you never challenge, you're not going to get better. And uh, I'm going to guess you don't hear it so often coaching collegiate or professional athletes but uh high school coaches they hear it far too frequently from parents about you know they're trying to protect their child from failure and uh you know it's one of the things that we have to help them understand great great stuff wow yeah for our listeners uh, our guest today is candace fabry She's the CEO of a company called Fearless and Capable. We're going to hear more about that as we get deeper in the podcast. She's also a college coach, a pro coach, got a tremendous background in sports. We're going to take our first break, but we'll be back. So please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. 
We want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive for their support of the podcast. Sideline Interactive's indoor scoring tables and video boards not only generate income for your department, but they also create the ultimate game day experience for your student athletes. We've got a Sideline Interactive indoor scoring table in our gym, and it's just fantastic. Of course, we use it for games, but we also use it for pep rallies, for signing ceremonies. It's tremendously versatile, and their customer service is just fantastic. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and schedule a live web demo and see their tables and boards in action. You can also email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com to see exactly what their fantastic products can do for you. That's sidelineinteractive.com. We also want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. Go to hometownticketing.com. They're going to show you how to set up and sell your tickets online. They'll show you how to scan the attendees that come to your game and collect your revenue. And every step of the way, you're going to have a dedicated client success manager that's providing hands-on support. That's every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com. They'll also show you how to set up and sell tickets for things like school dances, school plays, concerts, even graduation. That's hometownticketing.com. Simple and easy online ticketing. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest guest is Candace Fabry, uh, the CEO of Fearless and Capable, also a college and professional soccer coach. Candace, um, we always like to have our guests uh, share some of the mentors that they've had. Um, the expression that I use is, I still hear my mentor's voices in my head. Uh, do you have any voices that you still hear? You know, between the kids, I feel like that echoes in my brain, you know, even when they're not around. Um, you know, for me, it's, you know, I was really in a unique situation. Uh, part of my story, known in, known in different ways now this past summer, uh, The Guardian actually wrote an article about what happened to me uh, the day that, I committed to coach at the university I had played for. And that was that my head coach turned boss uh, sexually assaulted me at a restaurant. And so I was in a situation where I knew I wanted to coach. I had trusted this individual for four years and he broke all trust um, in a single moment. And what was really difficult about that is that, you know, in a lot of ways I look back and, you know, I know I was in what I know now, based off the Guardian article that was written this summer, um, I was one of many. I was being groomed. I, you know, I, there was a reason, but what really hurt is that I did find him as a mentor. Uh, and it's something that I actually encourage, um, not who he was, but something he did. Um, and so I, I use it to a positive in that there was a moment when I was injured and he said, what do you think the starting lineup should be? And he gave me the dry erase marker and I got to put the lineup on the board. And I, I say this and I tell people that was a really monumental moment because what that marker signified was the opportunity to make a decision, to have a voice on a, a power influence level that I could at some point say, I think these are the starting 11 for this match. And so though at the core of everything about him, you know, is something that I obviously, you know, have not the fondest memories of, 
I certainly have this one moment that was instrumental in me starting to coach. Um, and so I do say that a lot, that who was passing me the marker through, through these days that gave me this, this chance to try it out, not just tell me, but gave me the chance to try. Um, I, I was fortunate that one of the um, people I met through the coaching education um, pathways that I was going through uh, was a huge advocate. He was great. He was um, someone that, again, put me into experiences, uh, you know, sometimes uncomfortable in terms of he would say free stop. And then, hey, Candace, you know, what do you have to coach and add in? And I was like, uh, 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 but it was kind of his way of, of prompting me, getting me ready and then giving me the moment to to fail, honestly, to fail and then know that at the end of it, he wasn't going to degrade me, make me feel any, you know, any insecurities for it. It was simply going to be, I want to help you get better. And so I'm going to give you this space to do that. And that person actually ends up now being my husband. So he has been one of the greatest mentors. Um, he's also obviously, you know, just a good human being. So that's, that's a huge piece of what I was able to get um, that is still there. Um, to be honest, he's a volunteer assistant for the women's college team that I have. Um, and so it's kind of funny now to have him on the sideline and be like, Hey, I need to set that camera up um, and have a little bit more of I need you to do these jobs, but he does it well. He does a very good job of, of listening. Um, and, you know, that's really cool to have a mentor that's also really proud of what you're accomplishing. And I think that's that's a cool part of our relationship. But I've also had other mentors. And I think one of the things that, you know, when we think of mentorship, when you say that voice in the head, it's not always the people we meet. It's the people we hear as well. And so, you know, one of those idol uh, mentors, one of those people that I've never physically met, but I listen as much as possible is Emma Hayes. She is the women's head coach of the Chelsea Football Club, the Chelsea Ladies, um, an incredibly successful career um, in England and, and in soccer in general. She was over at the Chicago Red Stars before, you know, the now um, Rory Dames debacle of, you know, um, you know, abuse and so on. But Emma was somebody that was just so authentic. Every time I talk, every time I heard her speak, she was constantly just real, real about the problems, real about the issues, real about being a mom and a coach. And so I hear her voice. I, I hear that. Just say it how it is. We don't need to sugarcoat things. We don't need to say it how it is. Own it. Be better. Challenge. Have rapport with the players. But don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to bring that you know, ego to them, you know, bring confidence, not something that, um, you know, is a, a tactic in order to make them feel lower. And so I've heard her constantly. Um, and as I've, you know, become a mother, it's been obviously in her as well, you know, those little voices of things that I've heard. And so I think that's always something important too, is that the people that are mentors don't necessarily have to be the people you have the, the great fortune of maybe catching a coffee with, or, you know, going to the phone, it can be people you listen to, um, or, you know, read and, and all that, you know, let that voice be something in your head as well that gives you advice. And so, you know, those are, those are two people that I think, you know, as a woman that wants to be successful in the game of soccer, somebody I've looked up to incredibly not just as the coach on the field um but certainly you know the way she does the administrative components of her team and then certainly you know my husband's um one his the way he coaches he was always a teacher at heart you could tell that like the sweetest moments are you know the times that I I see him on a you know a park bench talking to a player who's after training and you could tell having a, a rough day and I, I remember seeing that one time and being like like that's who I, I want to be like that I want to be a coach who can sit next to them and be like how's the day going you all right you know and and being 
being able to create a safe space for them. And, that, and that's really at the heart of it. And that's what the role models and mentors in my life have done. And, and I certainly try to take that to heart. Wow. Really appreciate you sharing uh, those stories and uh, uh, about coaching with your spouse, you know, uh, in my hour, 40 plus years of coaching together, uh, track and field, uh, yeah. there's been times where I was the head coach and she was the assistant. And there was times where, you know, she was the head coach. And I remember when she was the head coach, she would tell me to do something and I would immediately <laughs> go off and do it. But when I was the head coach and I would say, Hey, Jan, she'd look at me like, you know, are you, you talking to me? So uh... Uh, yeah, we can relate. I'm, I'm certain there's moments I've given the look of like, what are you asking me to do? But it is, I mean, I think what it's what great. And I'm sure, you know, based off the fact that you guys did that so long, it is someone that can be a tremendous support, but an honest support, you know, yeah. we can look at each other because I know how to give him the information that, Hey, this is, you know, this is an area I think you could be better at because I know you can be, you know, I know the potential. I see it. I know it. I know what you're thinking about. I think those are great things. It doesn't have to be a spouse, but who can be that partner for you, you know, on the field in, in the school districts, whatever, that you can really rely on that, that truthful feedback that, you know, you can keep coming back to and be okay with it. You might need a little break, but maybe you be able to come back. <laughs> no, again, you're absolutely right. Um, Candace, one of the things we try to do with the podcast is this idea of sharing best practices. So yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. In your experience, you know, as an athlete, as a coach at, at many different levels, what are some things that you've seen? Maybe these are initiatives that you've done with your teams that yeah. you would consider best practices that you can share with our listeners. Yeah. One of the, the bigger pieces of creating fearless and capable, fearless being a mindset, capable being a, you know, a, a belief in what you're able to do, the skill sets. And so a lot of what I talk about within fearless and capable with our mentors, our mentees as a coach, uh, as you know, in all these other identities, even as, you know, a mother, um, is that we do, we face obstacles, but the longer we spend spiraling in the obstacle alone in that storming type phase, we don't get to solutions. Um, and so a lot of the reasons and, and best practices I try to instill, you know, within our mentorship, within my teams, you know, within in, in even in the home, you know, let's come to a discussion. Can I create a safe space where they feel like they can come with solutions. And I, I feel like, you know, there's been so many areas that I've worked in where when I had a solution that I shared, the the receiving end felt like a, a brick wall that I would never have, you know, the opportunity to convince. And, you know, I, I never expect it for them to take all ideas. I never expect it, but I just felt like, well, this is a team, right? Like if, if we're all in this together and we're unified and aligned to what we want to do, why wouldn't a contribution, an idea, a thought, a solution from me to you, you know, be something that would feel safe for me to do without a fear of retaliation, without a fear of judgment, without a fear of, you know, anything coming in a negative way. And so I think, you know, what are you doing within your programs to create opportunities for safe space for solutions to come in? And is the place where the, the safe space solutions coming into and, and where it's happening, how diverse is that? How are the lived experiences of different individuals coming into that, in quote, safe space to share? And so, you know, what I found was, well, like, no, 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 well, 
you know, we do this, we have those meetings. And I was like, but you're, you're always taking the same ideas from the people that sound and look like you most often, you know, I, I am, I take my notes. I'm a very good note taker. And, you know, I know what we've done in meetings and what comes out as decisions. And I can tell you, it seems like those with diverse, different lived experiences and opinions are very rarely taken. And so, you know, with that, I, I really advocate that one in my own coaching and my own mentorship, I create spaces where people can come in and feel like we can get to solution oriented conversation um, quickly allowing the ability to feel things of an experience, but we, we got to get to solutions. The safe spaces are huge. Um, the other things that I think are, are certainly getting into a bigger, bigger discussion on a daily basis uh, within particularly sports is, is the conversation of abusive coaching. Um, and I think, you know, having standards of how coaches are to operate, you know, we are at the end of the day, teachers, we are trying to guide and teach a game so that when they get onto the field, the test that is able to be performed in a way that is, you know, successful for the individual and team. And if a teacher was screaming like some of these coaches do on the sideline, they would not have a job, you know, or the things they do behind closed doors. These, those would not be acceptable actions in really any other profession. So some of the best practices when I speak about our conversation around what is verbal, mental, emotional, physical, you know, sexual abuse, what does that look like as coaches, as athletic directors, people of power and influence? What is that looking like? Having standards, having an open door is a great start, but what are you planning on doing when you get that one athlete that comes in, the first one to come in and say, something's not right. You know, even when you have maybe a long list of people that have said, all of this is great. This person's wonderful. What are you going to do when you get that player that comes in and says, this is what I've experienced. And I think why I say that is because, you know, obviously within my own personal experiences as someone who, you know, People had a great experience with my head coach in college. And I said, your, your truth can be that, but my truth can also be real. And that's, that's the scary part of life right now, right? Is that we have people who can operate both. They can abuse some and they can be wonderful to others. So as athletic directors, as people of influence and power, as coaches too, what is our, our, um, our role, our responsibility. And I think it truly is to create an open door policy that has follow through. The follow through has to have something that comes out of it. And too many parents, too many people I'm talking to, assistant coaches who have seen abusive behaviors from the head coach there, they wanna go speak right. out to, there's no follow through. And the follow through can sometimes just be this, well, everybody else says they're great. Remember, both can be true. So best practices, remember, both, both can be true. Maybe you don't find it fireable. Maybe you don't find it to be something that, you know, ultimately is of the majority. But it's an important piece to know. And what could you do then to educate the coach, the, the person that maybe is doing these abusive behaviors? What is their response to saying, listen, this is something we've learned. Here's a resource. Here's a tool. Here's something you need to do because this is how it's being perceived. 
And that's important. That could be a conscious, unconscious bias happening on that individual's part that they don't realize how that comes off. And we are in this very social society where if you don't like something, it is so easy to say, this is the person, this is the thing I don't like, and I don't like how it's doing. And so that's been some of the, can you create a space, not only for athletes, staff members, people to come into when there are these, these real gray areas of abuse, but have the follow through. Even if it's, we've addressed it with the coach, we are going to work with him or her, you know, we're going to have them do some um, classes, but also just accept the fact that both can be true, that this person can be abusive and they can be great. That's just, that's unfortunately the realities. And if we don't get to a point where we're having honest conversations and being transparent, I think we're going to keep finding that this game, these games, the sports are going to keep coming with these horrific stories that we keep reading in the newspapers and and don't want to see online anymore. It's hard. It's hard to know that people felt that way. So. Yeah. You just, every time you see another one of those stories, you know, it just, it just tears your heart out. Thanks yeah. uh, so much for sharing. I, I wish we had more time to talk about that for listeners. Uh, our guest today is Candace Fabry. She's the CEO of an organization called Fearless and Capable. We're going to take a deeper dive into that when we come back. Also a, uh, a longtime coach, uh, still coaching you know, at the college and at the professional level. So we're going to take another break, but please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to uh, Wall of Fame by Vital Signs for their support of the podcast. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school's record boards or your school's Hall of Fame, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. They've got uh, interactive touch screens and a library of templates that can help you recognize uh, the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com and let them help you showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments. You can also email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. That's sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. We also want to thank our friends at Snap Mobile for their support. At Snap Mobile, they know that athletic directors and coaches need a hand, and they're here for you through all of the things that you deal with because they know that developing something right takes time and support. Go to onsnap.com, that's onsnap.com, and check out their platform that helps athletic directors build programs of distinction. There's several different uh, areas to the OnSnap platform. SnapRaise is their fundraising division, which my coaches use to great success, and you can too. Uh, go to their website and check out the thousands and thousands of dollars that they've helped schools just like yours raise using the snap raise aspect. They also have snap spend, which is a money manage management platform for clubs. Snap store uh, allows you to buy custom gear for your team, your fans, uh, anybody associated with the program. Uh, snap manage is their website division. They'll help you design a website just for your program. And Snap Connect is the multilingual family engagement platform that allows you to support every family in your community. They're here for you. So for more information, go to onsnap.com or contact Snap Mobile to get the support that you need. That's onsnap.com.
Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest is Candace Fabry. She's the CEO of an organization called Fearless and Capable. Candace, you talked a little bit about Fearless and Capable, but let's take a deeper dive. Uh, share with our listeners, you know, kind of, you know, its origin. You know, how'd you get the idea? How'd you get it up and running? And then, of course, you know, we'll want to give out uh, contact information so they can find out more about it. But what's yeah. the Fearless and Capable story? Yeah, so obviously the the pandemic was an experience for everyone, and we all had different you know uh, moments through it. and And I certainly was a at a point in my career where I had discovered more female mentors. I was getting into spaces where I I was actually seeing more women working, and I don't think it was that there were more women employed. I was just finding that way up the ranks that I was getting into this, these opportunities that showed that there were, there were other women working and, you know, getting the chance to speak to them and understanding more about, you know, who they were, you know, their experiences, things that they wanted to accomplish or, you know, however it, it landed. But in these conversations, I had so much that would come out of it for myself and, you know, what I could then relay to others. And so when we go through the pandemic and we get so heavily reliant on technology to connect us to individuals, that light bulb kind of went off for me and said, what if I could find a way to use technology to have these connections happen? Because where women are working in particularly, you know, what I had experienced in soccer, but within my research, finding out about other sports, you know, there's just not a ton of women working in sports. And so what if the use of technology could help bring that mentorship, that relatable mentorship to them when it's it's non-existent, whether that's because of where they work, who they work for, or just the geography in which, you know, they're they're currently at. And so we, um, you know, really looked at that. I've been a kind of, like I said, a solution-oriented kind of person. I've created women's groups, you know, through the years in a number of capacities and, you know, had most recently worked in Iowa before I got to Kansas City and created the Iowa Women in Soccer Alliance. And I saw a lot of benefit out of the opportunity to just open the door for women to come in and have conversations about experiences, you know, not not to use the word crazy in a light way, but them going in and going, am I crazy that this is something that I'm experiencing? Am I the only one? And going, no, there's a good chance there's been somebody else. And here's ways to, to solve it because I'm also a U.S. soccer coaching in, uh, instructor. So I run coaching education courses, not every day, but a couple throughout the year. And I've been running all female courses along with co-ed courses for the last couple. And the experiences I'm finding out of running an all female coaching course is that these environments where they get to connect and network is really huge in keeping them in the game. And when they go to an environment, maybe it's where they work, the school, the club, wherever, and they find themselves in spaces where they can't find people to relate and feel safety and being who they are, they're not staying. They're finding that they're they're isolated in their experiences, that they're different, that they don't feel heard or seen. And so Fearless and Capable came out of that, that ability to be seen heard and connect using what we all started to rely on through the pandemic, which was Zoom. So kind of went through that and, you know, was pretty step oriented in how we could create something that is there um, every day, which is our membership. So we have a membership that has, you know, online courses. It has workshop events that are hosted monthly where you can see the full recordings, access all the resources that come out of that. You can see other members in the network, including our mentors who are women from across the country holding a number of roles 
individuals within the sports industry, not just coaches, not just in my world, soccer, you know, a handful of other and, and still growing. Um, but that membership is that every day, that that moment that you're at the end of the night, you're trying to figure out something. Can you go into the fearless and capable me- uh, program membership and seeing something that's relatable? And then the other service is those one on ones that we do offer out um, and have the ability not to necessarily just work with me, but work with a mentor that I feel is relatable. And, you know, it's not just always about the level, you know, sometimes an athletic director being paired up with a coach is actually an an enormously great mentor relationship because the information that can be gathered from different roles and experiences. So we really don't just go, okay, you want to be this, I'll find somebody who's doing this. It's really looking at, you know, what is the desired competencies or skills or things you want to come out with at the end of the day. Um, And we try to add accountability to it by having an actual mentorship agreement. So it's not just a, hey, tell me what's been going on lately. We're actually going to design um, a a pathway, something that is going to be efficient when you come into your time together with a mentor. Um, And so, you know, it's not just a, I'm going to pair you up and, you know, get on Zoom once in a while. You know, there's an agreement, there's things that the mentor is going to do to hold themselves accountable. The mentees are going to have accountability as well. And it's, it's not to say, hey, if you're going to come in and, you know, half do this, it's not going to work, but it's going, let's, let's ensure you get something out of this. If you're going to take this really great step and we're going to, you know, put the work in, we want you to come out feeling more, you know, competent, more capable in something that, you know, perhaps you need um, in your own professional world. And so really that's where that, that origin story came out of. And like I alluded to before, fearless and capable came out of the fact that those were two words that resonated with me and who I wanted to be. And that's when, you know, I kind of hit rock bottom in pandemic, not, not unlike many others, um, but felt that I don't know who I am. I don't know who, what I'm supposed to do. And when I really, you know, had this this great time to kind of be, I said, these are the two things I want to be. I want to be fearless. I want to be capable in the ways I know I am and the ways that I want to become. And I, with a mindset that I can do it is, is huge and it, it needs to come from me. But I also have spoken to these women that have been an incredible support system and going, they need to help others. How can I help them help others? And so it's been a really, really cool experience um, getting to partner with different organizations to come in and align, um, you know, come in as a, you know, kind of LinkedIn arms saying, let's, let's work through a mentorship together. You know, maybe you don't have very many women working in your industry or your group or organization, we can come in and, you know, maybe it's me, maybe it's somebody else. And no, maybe it's just an opportunity you give the women working in your, your um, organization to find relatable mentorship. It's not about taking them out and showcasing what you're not doing. It's, it's actually just helping to benefit what you are doing already. So. Yeah. And again, you really touched on an important aspect of, of mentoring uh, is that, you know, not only can people be mentored, but they in turn, you know, complete that circle and, and then begin to mentor others, yeah. you know, very cool stuff. Candace, if one of our listeners wanted to, um, you know, find out more about the organization, get involved, or even pick your brain a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, what's the best way that they can, uh, you know, get a hold of you? Yeah. So fearlessandcapable.com, just a simple resource there um, to be able to 
one, reach out to me uh, personally, and then also follow us on social media channels. So Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fearless Capable. And then I am pretty active on my own social media channels, um, discussing things, you know, to my personal life in some ways to professional as well. Uh, because like I said, I've kind of got a handful of other little identities that I hold here and there, like a coaching instructor. So, um, you know, open book on Candace Fabry on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have not joined the TikTok I'm, I, no, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. But um, I think my daughter wants me to, to do the dances with her, but not there. But yeah, no, happy to always have a discussion. And, you know, even if somebody's trying to understand, you know, what mentor, mentoring could be and a benefit, you know, always happy to jump on a 30 minute call, um, you know, no charge, just get on the call and talk and let's see what you're going through. And, you know, again, I, to me, it's always something of, I'm going to provide some resource, even walking away. I always want to give somebody something that I know that I can, help them because that's what's been best for me is these little people that didn't realize they mentored me by leaving me with this little nugget, whether it was something they said, something they recommended. Um, and so I just hope to do that for as many as I can, because it's, it's really gotten me to where I am today, which is believing in my self-worth. And, and that's huge. Oh, again, great stuff and, and appreciate you sharing. We'll give that contact information out again, you know, at the end of the podcast. So uh, yeah. for our listeners, our guest is Candace Fabry. Uh, we're going to take another break, but we'll be back with some more. This is the Educational AD Podcast. Okay. We want to say thanks to our good friends at Huddle for their support. Go to huddle.com and see why Huddle is how the world sees sports. As a high school football coach, I used Huddle for years, but as an athletic director, our school was a Huddle school, and our coaches just loved the mobile apps, the smart cameras. Of course, they love the analytics, but there's so much more. Huddle's built for every level. If you're a club coach, Huddle can help you. Uh, they've been in high schools and colleges and even the pros for years, and Huddle can help every team, every coach, every athlete perform better. Go to Huddle.com. And you're going to find a complete solution for your athletic department. At Huddle, we believe in sports and teams believe in Huddle. Join the 6 million users and turn your school into a Huddle school. Just got a notification. We also want to say thanks to Gipper. Go to Gipper.com and see how athletic directors and coaches are creating world-class marketing content for their school's social media channels. Uh, you can do it on any device in seconds, and you don't need any design experience. Go to Gipper.com and start creating world-class marketing content for your school. Tell them you heard about it on the podcast and use the podcast code ADPOD10. That's ADPOD10 and get 10% off. Gipper.com. Create world-class marketing content. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Candace, one of the topics that we've been asking almost since the podcast began has to do with this idea of toughness. A mm -hmm. um, hundred years ago, when I was in high school, uh, you know, <laughs> our coaches would say things like, you know, come on, you got to be tough or come on, Jake, mm -hmm. you got to suck it up. And we kind of knew what they meant and, and we did it. Yeah. Uh, in the many years since then, uh, we have developed far better ways of communicating these ideas to our student athletes. But I still think toughness is an important aspect of sports and of, of life. So here's my question. How can we help kids to develop toughness while also being sensitive to the very real challenges that a 
Generation Z kid experiences that I never had to go through back in the 70s. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you have, have some advice for us? Uh, yeah, I think we start with toughness. If we're going to look at that development of, you know, that idea and concept, we have to look at it holistically. So if I'm saying you've got to be tougher there, what does that really mean? Does that mean you got to run harder? Does that mean you've got to shoulder down faster? Does that mean mentally you've got to convince yourself to go into that? Um, you know, emotionally, is it getting over a feeling? You know, when we when we talk about toughness, we have to hit it holistically and acknowledge the physical, the mental, and the emotional con that is going to add into a response when we talk about are we being tough or not? Okay. And so I know from, you know, one, my own personal experiences, same, similar, you know, growing up, it was get out there and be tough. Come on. You gotta be more in. And anytime we're going to ask for more, uh, I think it's a skill set that we then have an obligation to teach. And so if we're going to talk about, you know, how to go into um, a physical toughness, are you going into how they do that? So are you as a coach talking about speed and agility? How are you acknowledging um, physical strength? Because if you're asking a, a youth athlete in particular to go into a situation that they need to exert physical toughness, are you doing things to develop the skill set in order to come into that with an experience they can learn from? So whether they succeed or fail, are you giving them tools to go experience the tough moment physically and come out with something to learn from it? And I say that for uh, when we are playing teams that I know will high pressure. Okay. So anytime I'm going to coach a team and I know the other team is going to high pressure, there's going to be fast, intense pressure. I'm always talking about getting their hips lower and predicting the, the pressure. So, if, you know, if we're higher, the hit comes and we're more likely to lose the ball because we're not getting our hips low and that center of gravity lower. So getting that arm out, being able to kind of brace it. So am I giving them tools? Be tough. You got to be ready for the hit. Get your hips a little bit lower. Can you get your arm out? Can you absorb that? That helps them then have the tools to execute the toughness. Okay. If we're talking the mental physical, the mental part, let's talk about the fact that what is the fear to go into that tackle? It could be the fact that they've done it 10 times and every time they don't succeed in it, you pull them out, you degrade them, you yell at them, you make them feel worse. So what is the risk of going into something? If the mental game is that if this doesn't come out in every way that my coach or, you know, person of influence wants, I am going to be pulled, ridiculed. As a human, we look at the risk and reward and go, well, that has not gone in my favor for a number of times. So where are you coming out on the mental side the first time they come out? Like, that was a great try. Can you do it again? Again, add in the tools. Hey, you know what? I know that's tough, but like, what is holding you back? What is the thing that you are most you know, feels like on the back of your neck or your collar, I always talk about what feels like it's holding the back of your jersey for you not to go into those moments where you have to be tough. Um, and I talk about it in life, you know, who's got the professional hold on my jacket and stuff for me not to go into the boardroom and say, this is what I feel. And it could be, I fear I'm going to be judged. I feel like there's going to be retaliation. I feel like you're going to not have confidence in me. I don't have confidence in myself to succeed. You find out those things that are mentally holding us back. Again, not just saying, go be tough add the tools. Okay. Are you having positive self-talk? What are you telling yourself in those moments? You suck. You can't do it. Or I've got this and I'm going to try again and I've got to go again. I talk then about 
the emotional stuff. So when we talk about emotionally coming out of things, a lot of that's going to come out of the physical and the, um, you know, mental components. So the emotional response, I had a player last night was like, this girl stepped on my foot and I'm looking at it going, well, that's a brilliant tactical move. Cause if you play soccer and somebody steps on the top of your foot, that's going to hurt. So emotionally, she let this little physical moment get her emotionally tied up. So I talk about resets a lot. What is your reset when you feel that emotion coming high? Because I'm okay with you having the emotional response, but you've got to get back to managing it to go on to the next moment. And every second wasted that you are emotionally like draining instead of emotionally heightening, then we're, we're losing seconds in order to be successful. So what's the reset? So that's always, I'm like, what's your reset? And we work on things and I'm like, we're not going to probably get it right first. You know, I talk a lot about, you know, is it um, you adjust your shin guard? Is it a snap? Is it something that emotionally kind of goes and I'm ready to go again? So I don't I, I think that the the whole thing of this is if we're going to ask for toughness, you have to be willing to listen to the individual athlete. So that's where that newer, you know, kind of next generation is that we do allow them to advocate. And some of them are going to look at you and go, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So let's have you go the next time and then pull them out and go, so what happened? Like what was going through your head and say it in a way that allows them that space to safely say, and then as a coach though, you have the obligation because you are a teacher and a guide to come back with something that should be something to go try. I will say though, I always tell them, I don't have all your answers and every suggestion I give you is not always going to work, but we have to try something. So let's try this and see what you get. And if it doesn't work, cool, we'll go back to the drawing board. Like, this isn't a bad thing. This is just simply, it didn't work. We go again. You don't like the color red on that? Fine, you erase it and you go with blue. You know, it, it's not something that is a right or wrong. It's just a trial and error. Right. And, but if you're going to get tough and you need to be, you have to find what works for you. And sometimes it's the positive self-talk. Sometimes it's the technical elements as a coach you can give them to have them come out with success more often because they're ready for it. their strength, their technique, all of those things. And then sometimes it's giving them the tools to handle their emotions and allow them. I go, go be ticked off after the whistle blows. That's fine with me if that's what you need to do. But I can't have you complaining for a minute and a half of the game and with your hands up in the air because that's in a minute and a half that your team's working and you're choosing mm -hmm. not to. And I can't get to a win with 10 players and one player emotionally spiring the whole game. So those are how I kind of handle the toughness conversations. Um, and I think those are, those are ways that I, I try to uh, mentor and support those that are looking to it. Well, I, I love it. You covered a lot of really key points there. And uh, of course, I love your use of the word tools, you know, with our athletic director's toolbox uh, book. Uh, also, I think the crux of it, you hit on it, it's uh, communication, you know, it's relationships. And you really, uh, I think you really stress the idea of, you know, let's, you know, we are in this together. You know, how can we find that solution? You know, really cool stuff. For listeners, one more time, our uh, guest is Candace. Fabry. She's the CEO of an organization called Fearless and Capable. You should be a part of it. Uh, we'll give that contact information out later in the show again. And she's also a pretty darn good soccer coach, uh, Ottawa University and uh, professionally in Kansas City. So we're going to take uh, another break, but we will be back. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to our friends at Final Forms, the industry leader in forms and registration, but there's so much more than that. 
Final forms can help your stakeholders with things like mobile accessibility. They've got reminders for parents about policies and physicals and all the forms that go when you have an athlete in the house. Final forms can also help your coaches with things like communication and attendance. And for athletic directors, final forms can help you with eligibility, rosters, and all the reports that come across your desk. You know, you should be talking to someone that's walked in your shoes to take the next steps Go to finalforms.com slash Jake. That's finalforms.com slash Jake to get started with Final Forms. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Candice, another one of our you know, longstanding questions has to do with this concept of social awareness. And I know that's a big umbrella, but how can an athletic director or a coach or, or a leader do a better yeah. job of being socially aware for their stakeholders, for their community. Yeah, I think, you know, the diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation has been, you know, something long, long past due. And I think, you know, when we we talk about having the awareness of others' lived experiences and how that plays into perceptions of, you know, laws and policies and, you know, just expectations. It, it really is something that, you know, as, as just individuals in sports, we have to be um, on a daily basis trying to obtain education and information. And so, you know, one of the letters, the, of the things I've been seeing added on at the end is a B for belonging. Um, and so diversity, equity, and inclusion, and then belonging. And so, you know, what what resources and things are you checking into regularly in order to self-educate? Um, what webinars are you jumping on? Are you jumping on just, you know, the ones that are, you know, ticking the boxes to say, well, that that pertains to being, you know, this identity? Or are you looking into other ways to gain information um, and, and be aware of others' opinions, others' experiences that might play into what you're doing on a daily basis. And I think, you know, for example, um, you know, there's there's several podcasts and, you know, one of them is, is the Burn It All Down podcast. I love it. It's a, it's a very, you know, female feminist, you know, like, you, come on, there's a moment where you feel like none of it is in your favor. Can we just, just take it down to ground level and try to build again? Does everything they say, in my opinion, go, that's what I would say we need to do? No, but it could be helpful for sometimes, let's say a man to listen to this and not necessarily jump into, this is, you know, they're all just, but could it look into it and say, why would they feel like burn it all down is a pathway to go? Well, are you listening to the lived experiences? Are you taking the, to the chance to not just open your ears, but like kind of open your mind, open your heart a little bit to what these experiences have led into? Um, and so when we talk about, you know, the socially aware, I think, you know, realizing that there's so many different mediums, you know, you guys doing a podcast, you know, you know, years ago, that was a huge, you know, new thing. And now it's so there's so many resources that that's awesome. What's going to be the next thing that, you know, unfortunately, we kind of got to keep up with, because that's where those social issues are going to come into it. Um, I also think there's there's really opportunities within social media that is hard sometimes to ensure that you're doing it in a way that's not offensive. But I also think it's such a tool in representation. Representation matters. Let's let's just it is it is absolutely positively something that matters. And so where can you 
use social media and a way in your organization to show the social awareness, not just check or, you know, check the boxes of somebody that looks different. What ideas, what experiences, and are you telling people of different lived experiences what you're celebrating about them? Bring them into the conversation. Let them take over the Instagram account, for example, and give their experiences as somebody living in that minority or someone with those lived experiences. Because social awareness is the fact that you're not just listening to one viewpoint and you're not just going to be the one that relays the information. You're pulling a seat up at the table. You're going to move your seat aside. You're going to bring them in and allow them to give from their words what has happened and what they see as potentials for the future. That to me is the social awareness we need more often at the decision-making levels, particularly in athletics, is move a seat over and bring somebody else in. What What's the hurt of shifting that table just a little bit bigger to bring somebody in that can give you um, a lot of awareness to what you don't realize systematically um, on the emotional mental levels that you never see. They leave the environment, they go home. What is that impact in the sports environment had on them due to some of the social awareness um, issues that we need to be there? I mean, you know, talk about the NWSL right now. We had, you know, so many things in the past couple of years that have come out of that league, particularly you have abuse, you have the support for trans kids, you know, you've got you just a multitude of social awareness things that, you know, it's a platform platform for them to use. Social media can be a great way for you to show that that social awareness and that diversity, equity and inclusion and belonging um, in the organizations you run. Wow. Uh, again, you covered a lot of ground with that. And it, it's just so true. And again, you know, not trying to you know blow our own horn, but, you know, we try to do that same thing with the podcast is, you know, have women leaders, women coaches, women ADs on to share their story because, you know, you're, you're right. They're underrepresented, um, you know, particularly, uh, you know, as athletic directors. So yeah. thanks so much for sharing. Thanks so much for uh, being a resource. Uh, and thanks yeah. for being on our, our podcast too. Um, this has been really cool uh, getting to know you just a little bit and hearing about your organization, mm -hmm. uh, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Uh, we've already established, you know, your experience and uh, professionalism in uh, the area of coaching and athletics. But when we come back from our break, I'm going to ask you to send out a brand new athletic director, or we could say a brand new coach on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. So uh, let's hear from Athletic Surveys, who sponsored the toolbox segment. And when we come back, we're going to find out what Candace Fabry is going to put into her new athletic director toolbox. Please stay with us. We want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack for sponsoring the athletic director toolbox segment of our podcast. Athletic Surveys are a quick easy and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. At my schools, we use surveys for just about everything, for parents, for kids, for coaches, for teachers. And the information that came back on these surveys was almost always over the top positive, and it'll be the same for you. But the surveys also allow that squeaky wheel parent to vent a little bit. And sometimes they'd share a small issue that you could address and keep it from turning into a big issue because you didn't know about it because you hadn't done a survey. Go to athleticsurveys.com or email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. You've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student athletes. You're really missing out. 
Go to athleticsurveys.com and let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. Well, it's that time of the podcast. We've been visiting with Candace Fabry, the CEO of Fearless and Capable, also uh, the head coach of uh, Ottawa University's women's soccer team and the associate head coach of the Kansas City Courage. Um, but right now, I'm going to challenge her to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only going to let her put three things in that toolbox. <laughs> Candace, what three items? are going to go into your new athletic director toolbox. Yeah, I a pen. I, I say this because I think technology has been an, a wonderful resource, but I, I really believe in one goal setting um, and scheduling and planning to be done with a pen. So, you know, as a new athletic director, when you're going to start to get those, those schedules together, those goals you're going to set personally for yourself, for your program, your, you know, your, your area of expertise, be comfortable writing it out because I always say brain, heart, and through the pen. So, you know, you're conceptually going to come through here and, and have these ideas. How is it going to feel when it hits the heart? What is it going to do? How is it going to leave you feeling? How is it going to leave the people you are leading feeling at the end of the day and writing it out something about you writing it out empowers you it gives you ownership it gives you accountability to the ideas that you create and think of that brain uh, heart and pen and so I would give that as the first tool is don't forget to to come sometimes old school get the pen out I feel like my handwriting's way worse than it was um, back in the day but um, that would be the first the second um, is a bit more conceptual which is boundaries uh, that is something that I had to learn um, and took way too far or way too long to learn was boundaries, how important they are. Um, definitely when we get into sports, we realize sports happens, you know, really at this point, 24 seven, right? There's not just the matches at the evenings you're going to go into. It's not the practices or weights that's happening before school. Um, it's happening 24 seven. You have to establish boundaries. Uh, it's better for your mental health, your physical health. You need to take care of yourself because you cannot take care and lead the people you're in charge of leading, your staff, the coaches, the players, without those boundaries where you give yourself the self-care. It can be as simple as two minutes of meditation. It can be a 10-minute walk you take. It is incredibly important. Vacation. Taking time off is incredible to the reset because the energy you're going to give out is going to be enormous and impactful, but you have to find a way to recharge. Um, so boundaries are always something that I think are important to be able to set. You're not available. You're, you know, my focus is on or whatever on your, on your phone, do those. Cause it's really, really important. Um, and then the third thing is, is finding someone to talk to. And so that's where I'm going to certainly plug fearless and capable, having someone to speak to that is relatable, uh, that has maybe had lived experiences that can also then be intentional in what you want to get better at. Even if, Figuring out what you want to get better at is the thing you need to get better at. Um, you know, we're here to help. And certainly it is a female led program, but it is not only for women. Um, you know, we I've mentored plenty of men in the sports world and in the coaching profession, um, but it's female led. It's seeing females in roles and, and positions of influence um, and support. And then my hope is that more young women can see themselves um, filling that role. You know, honestly, 
probably today. They don't see that as an opportunity, but they probably have some capacity to be a mentor to someone today. But then obviously in the future, um, seeing the significance and the important and the impact. So um, a pen, your boundaries, and then a little bit of fearless and capable and you will, uh, will help for sure. Uh, I, I love them all. Uh, I love the old school writing it down. That certainly fits with my style. Uh, and uh, you mentioned fearless and capable. Great uh, setup for my last question. Uh, if one of our <laughs> listeners wants to reach out, find out more about the organization, sounds like it's really something we should all be involved with, as well as maybe picking your brain as a leader, as a coach. What's the best way they can do that? My email address is Candice at fearlessandcapable.com. The and is spelled out, no sign, um, no uh, the cool and sign. Um, but then on the website, fearlessandcapable.com, there's a way to contact me through there. There's a way to join the membership with a free 30-day trial. I want you to come in, see the tools and resources we have, see if it's a fit for you. And then obviously the one-on-one -on -one sessions are available there to kind of check out. You can see who the mentors are in our program currently. We're always adding people in as mentors. Um, they also have a little bit of training and things they have to go through. It's not just, oh, you're awesome. Cool, come be a mentor. There's, there's certainly a process we go through to ensure that we have a diverse um, um, background, diverse lived experiences, even different styles of mentoring. Uh, we, we do really vet that. So uh, those are the easiest ways. And then certainly always on social media channels on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fearless and Capable. And then, you know, myself, Candice Fabry, always an option to, to hit me up. You can catch me on the fields. Um, you know, I'll actually be in Orlando in, no in November. Um, I'm a Midwest uh, regional staff coach. So I am coaching the 2009 girls, which is crazy that 2009 is the age group that's like, you know, in middle school, high school, but I coach them, um, the assistant coach for the Midwest team. And so we'll be down in Orlando right before Thanksgiving playing the other regions, which is kind of cool. So um, those little things I do here and there that's in the youth game, but it's, it's always fun. And so, yeah, those are different ways. Catch me on the field and come say hi. I'm happy to have a discussion and see what you're up to and, you know, even ways that you can help me. And, and hopefully I can leave a little a nugget of resource for you as well. Well, again, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Uh, one more time for our listeners, Candice Fabry, the CEO of Fearless and Capable. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. For our listeners, uh, remember our uh, Zoom recordings of every interview get uploaded to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. We appreciate you listening today. Come back just about every day for new content on the Educational AD Podcast. We'll see you next time. We hope you uh, have enjoyed this episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We want to give a shout out to our two partners, We Coach and the Global Community of Women in High School Sports, two great organizations that you should be a part of. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Educational AD Podcast.